You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. That's good. Man, I found out I'm allergic to coffee. Not that I would could not live in a world Ooh. where I, I well, I switched to tea, so it's not that bad. But um, I couldn't live. I couldn't operate. I would. I would be depressed. It's funny you even bring that up because uh, I like I switched to tea <laughs> for a long time, and then the last couple of weeks I've been like trying some coffee, you know, and uh, it's been really good. I've been loving it, but this morning I just woke up feeling super sick, so I think I have to go back to my tea for a while. <laughs> I didn't have coffee yesterday, and I thought my body was gonna fall apart. I'm on like a five cup a day. I'm on like a five cup a day guy, and it's just pure black, like so black. There's an event horizon, no cream, no nothing, just stick caffeine in my body but anyway <laughs> we could talk about coffee for an hour i mean i could talk about coffee for an hour but this I is of course hear. the inside live oh, chat i'll say people are it, here yeah i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna plug this company that's been really good to me, Black me. Coffee. they're really awesome check them out and if you go to my uh instagram you get money off so you don't even have to go to the store to buy it they'll deliver it to you and you get money off if you go to the link in my instagram bio there you I'm go 100 check it out i'm always looking for a good coffee especially yeah, during the really time. really good yeah well, of course, this is the A-Side Live Chat here on MAFighting.com. I am Jose Youngs, uh, host of this lovely podcast. Joining me is my normal Monday co-host, Alex K. Lee, Casey Lydon, the producer, director, cameraman extraordinary right on the scene, and soundboard. Of course, everyone, especially Molly McCann, loves those air horns. And Lauren Murphy is joining us. I don't know where she is on my screen. <laughs> oh, and there's a dog coming in hot. This is Penny. I knew she was going to crash the interview. <laughs> <laughs> she did warn us ahead of time, and we said, do not stop her. Let her yeah. crash whatever interview she wants. Hey, Penny. <laughs> you guys have any questions for Penny? Penny is here. To, oh, I, should, I shouldn't say. <laughs> I, should, I don't know if Penny God, wants to answer that. questions. I shouldn't say that. Uh, oh, she Sorry, Penny. I apologize. so photogenic. <laughs> <laughs> she is she, definitely like one of the most popular parts of my Instagram. <laughs> She's such a goofball. She is playing the cameras perfectly. But before we get into the fan questions, Lauren, I have to ask, how are you handling quarantine life amid this pandemic down in Houston? I know we were talking a little bit before you just moved down. Well, not just moved down there, but you did move from Phoenix to the Houston area. So how's life in quarantine? Man, it, it honestly really hasn't been bad. I've been really enjoying this time. Uh, I'm lucky because my, my, you know, I obviously live with my husband and uh, he's a black belt and he coaches me often. Um, he corners me in all my fights. And so we have a really, really nice mat room with wall mats and a bunch of workout equipment. So um, actually this time I've used to really improve some parts of my game that um, I felt needed a lot of work. And it's been it's been really a lot of fun. It gives me a lot of confidence to kind of plug up those holes in my game. And I'm excited. I hope I get a chance to use them in my next fight. So it hasn't been bad. And then a lot of the gyms here will open up for like private sessions. Mm. So every once in a while, we'll get like a small group of three or four fighters together and we'll have like a wrestling practice or a sparring practice or something like that. So it really hasn't been too bad. And uh, Texas has not been really hit as hard by the virus as a lot of um the rest of the nation, especially like New York City, where they've just been getting hammered. Um, it, it just doesn't really look like that here, luckily, and hopefully it won't. So, yeah, quarantine hasn't been too bad. Uh, Lauren, a lot of the fires we talk to, they have like young children, but y you you have a young man. You you you, ra you are raising a young man. Yeah, I think he, he's in college. He's in college now. Is that right? Uh, he's not in college, but he just graduated in May. Oh, OK. 
when we moved to Houston, he moved back to Alaska. So wow. he's, he's 18 now. And, uh, he was like, I, I, he loves Alaska. He grew up there. He loves the weather. He loves the green. He has a, a bunch of our family still lives up there. So he, um, wanted to move back up there and and unfortunately he's an adult and so i just i couldn't stop him <laughs> i couldn't hold on to him anymore <laughs> so i had to let him go but how's he, how's he doing he's doing really well he's he was working at a um at a planet fitness uh when he moved up there he got a job at planet fitness and of course that's all shut down right now so um he's really an introverted kid as well he's in a lot of ways he's my polar opposite which i really, <laughs> really appreciate and so he's actually been loving the quarantine because it's like an introvert's dream. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, well, like Alex said, we've had a lot of fighters on the show with young kids and they go over how they just they have to have the talk with their kids. Like Anthony Smith has like young daughters and they're being like, Dad, why can't I go to my friend's birthday party these anymore? And they're like, well, everyone is sick. I'm sorry. So you don't have to have that conversation with an 18 year old though. So, so he's enjoying uh, it. He's enjoying it. I, I totally understand that the, the uh, introverts, uh, life. I kind of, I kind of appreciate that as well. Yeah. He's a really good kid. I'm super proud of him. He's doing really well. Casey, how's quarantine life for you since we last talked? You're in California. Who's actually handling it better than most States. I like every weekend. Every, <laughs> it's just like, I ask Casey this every time and he always rolls his eyes. Say like, is anything good? That's just, probably yeah, just like, I don't know what day is today. It's day, days. What are days? Yeah. Just, right. But now, but now that we have, now that if it feels like 249 will happen, this is a real thing. Like when the original 249 was booked in Lemoore or whatever, I was like, it ain't happening. Of course it ain't happening. It never happened. But this one, it feels like it's happening. So now life feels like there's a there's some sort of something's going on. Because before it was just one day and another day. But now there's a there's a, a goal somewhat. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Casey, how about that cats movie though? Is that what we're here to talk about? <laughs> I just want to say I want to tell all our readers we got uh, uh, Casey had watched the cast movie over the weekend and sent out some questions, like just some thoughts on social media. Was true some questions, and we were going to talk about it more. You should all thank Lauren that we're not going to talk about it because she hasn't seen it. So all of you viewers who did not want to hear about the cast movie, which I don't know why you wouldn't want to, uh, you can thank Lauren. We won't talk about it. Jose has not seen it either, so we don't want to spoil it. You know, it's it's a real it's a real. Oh, movie trust moment. me, you won't spoil anything. Alex. <laughs> okay, 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 little oh. little spoiler. Oh, Casey, go. Lots of cats in it. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> oh Lots Sorry, of cats. Sorry. Well, cats or no cats, Casey, of course, we have a lot of questions, I would imagine, uh, for Lauren as she's making her debut on the A-side. So for our first, for our lovely listeners, what is our first question? Hmm. First question. Oh, this is um, cats related. Uh, <laughs> this is a cats related question, Casey. <laughs> Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. My my fault, my fault, my fault. Uh, oh, I will answer it oh, while you like, did it on purpose. Oh yeah, totally an accident. Totally an accident. <laughs> Welcome to the cat side. Okay, sorry. That was a that was just a little mistake. Um, we'll fix that. We'll fix it in post. Sorry about that, guys. Dear God. I will sorry. answer that. I will answer that later, everyone. I'll answer that question. This is another oh, cat question. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I, I'm I'm so sorry. I, I don't know how these buttons work. I don't even know what these questions are. Uh, I blame Penny. I think Penny wanted some cat's questions. Yeah. 
exactly. Penny definitely is into the Cats movie. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. can't wait to watch it either. Oh, God. <laughs> all right, all right, okay. Here we go, here we go. <laughs> An actual MMA question. Ah, From Cam Kelly, at Cam Kelly gang, gang on Twitter. MMA has a lot of great characters and some great quotes. What are some of your favorite quotes or call-outs? Example, Jeremy Stevens. I didn't know we were allowed to turn down fights. Spell Jeremy Stevens' last name wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, it's a PH, <laughs> no V. But I'll start with Lauren. What are some of your favorite quotes and call-outs? It could be directed at you. It could be your call-outs of other fighters. But what are some call-outs that stand out in your in your mind? Oh, Nate Diaz comes to mind right away. He's the man. I love the Diazes. And uh, yeah, Nate's the man. And all his call-outs are just, I don't think they're pre-scripted. It doesn't seem to me like they're pre-scripted. I think they're off the cuff, on the fly, in the moment. And that's kind of what makes him so great. But because of his call-outs, you know, he got that really epic fight with Conor McGregor where he submitted Conor. And that turned into, uh, you know, the, the next fight with Conor and hopefully a trilogy someday. Um, he called out George Masvidal and that, you know, that was awesome. He's a gangster, but he ain't no West Coast gangster. <laughs> I love was, that. Was the Connor one your favorite one? The uh, you've taken everything I've worked for. I liked that a lot because it was so ballsy. But the the BMF call out was pretty badass, too. Yeah, I think they're pretty equal. Like, yeah, I just I really like the way Nate Diaz. I like the way he runs his mouth. I like the way he fights. I, I really like that guy. Yeah, it's one hundred percent genuine, and that's I. I'm with you on that. Where anytime Nate is on the mic, you have to listen because I think he knows who he's going to call out. But everything he says is off the top. It's like you said off the top. I think it is super genuine. Masvidal is the same way. He kind of has that character with it. Uh, Alex, what are your favorite callouts? I'm a noted GSP fan. I'm a noted GSP fan, and I kind of, I kind of agree with Lauren. Like it's the, it's the authenticity that makes the, like the best callouts so good. Like they don't have to. Perfect. Oh. You know? oh. oh, Alex is the it, one it, with fact, internet issues this time. Perfect. Those are the ones. You... Alex, you gotta start over. Hold on, my back on my back. We can hear you. Move your face. You're frozen. <laughs> that, that's not how you. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just gonna keep this freeze frame on you for a while. My. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually just been holding that expression, like, uh, so you can hear me. You can hear me. Yes, okay. we can see. We can see you now. You're back. Yeah, you're back. It wouldn't be a, the HI without Alex freezing. I have some bad internet. I have worse internet. Okay. Uh, it wouldn't be. Yeah, authenticity is what makes a call look great. I love GSP. I'm a big GSP stand. So of course, uh, I am not impressed by your performance. Is my favorite because it's not cle- like it's so insulting. But he, he, you know, the way uh, GSP is, it's it can kind of come off like he didn't really mean to be. And yet somehow that made it worse, uh, even more disrespectful. And uh, and again, like Lauren said, it set up a big fight and it continued a feud and it just served so many purposes. So I love that clip. I could watch that clip a million times. I think it's a great, great moment. Casey, your favorite call out or quote from MMA? You've been covering this for a long time. So what are the ones that stand with you? You've interviewed, you've probably been behind camera for more fighter interviews than any other cameraman on the planet. So what are some that stand out that you've seen in person? You know, you guys were talking about Nick, D- I mean, Nate Diaz. I want to talk about Nick Diaz. My favorite call out was back in the lead XC. Don't be scared, homie. No, 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 Ooh. no, no. Better than that. It was when he fought KJ, when no, KJ Noons had just defeated Eve Edwards in Hawaii. Nick Diaz was on the undercard. Oh, well, the prelim, like maybe a couple fights before. And Nick had just lost to KJ a few months before. So after Nick won, he won the belt, the Lee XC belt over Eves. Nick and Nate come to the cage, and then Nick grabs the mic and basically says something 
because KJ's girlfriend was in the, KJ's girlfriend, his family was in the cage. And he says, you don't, if you're a ninja in a tree waiting to assassinate someone, you don't bring your girlfriend with you. And that was it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) And then they got in a big fight in the cage. So um, you don't shocking. Yeah. So that, that's was when that, I, I just remember. I was like, oh, that's just so brilliant. I think the one that the GSP one that stands out for me is when he got down on his knees and begged for the rematch with oh, Matt Hughes because he so couldn't. Sincere. That's why I that one was so sincere because his English wasn't where it is now. So he wanted to say, I, I, I'll ask fair and square. But he said, I'm. I'll ask fairly squarely, and then he apologized. <laughs> he goes, "I'm sorry, my English isn't so." It was like he he the way his broken English, and then immediately apologizing for having broken English, even though he just won a fist fight and he's asking for a rematch. It was so genuine and so sincere. He didn't get the. I don't think he got the rematch right away, but that's that is my favorite one because of we're talking about authenticity. I think that that defines it right there. So Canadian, so another, Canadian. I'm sorry. Eh? I'm sorry. Actually, my second favorite call-out was um, Fabricio Verdum trying to fight or getting a rematch with Alistair Overeem. And Verdum's English was a little, you know, he was still working on it. So he kept calling Overeem. He goes, you're too much cock. Too much cock. (laughs) 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 Too much. So then after we we explained to to Fabricio, I was like, oh, okay, I think you meant cocky. The difference between cocky and cock. And he was like, (laughs) oh, my God. So yeah. Lauren, yeah. what's what's been the best call out that you've heard directed at you? Gosh, I don't know if anybody's ever called me out directly. I don't think so. Um if they did, maybe just like on Twitter or I, I can't really remember. I don't know. Do you guys do you guys know of anybody ever calling me out? Well, like, oh, well have, Jose, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> now that you bring it up, I have a message direct, sent to me for you. From Roxanne Modafari. She was on our show a couple episodes ago. And we asked her, what are what are three fights she is most looking forward to in 2020? What uh, three female fights? First one she said was her teammate JoJo fighting Valentina. And the second one she said is me versus Lauren Murphy. That yeah. was the second fight she's excited for. And she has sent me this. Uh, ask Lauren that Roxanne wants to know when we're fighting. I want to know when to stop eating, quote, excessive Mexican food. <laughs> Just keep eating it, Roxanne. You good, girl. <laughs> no, actually, so you were talking about if I ever called out anybody, and I called out Roxanne after my last fight, but Dana had told us, don't swear. You're on ESPN. Don't swear. And I have a real big potty mouth. I can't go more than like five seconds without dropping an F-bomb or something. And so I wanted to say, Roxanne, I'm going to fight your fucking ass. But uh, I couldn't. Like, I I had to pause and it got kind of jumbled in there. And I was kind of messed up because you're on camera. And I'd just gotten punched in the head a bunch of times. And then I couldn't swear. And so it kind of messed up my flow a little bit. But um, yeah, Roxanne, I don't know. It's a good question. July? International Fight Week? Vegas? Oh, I don't think they're doing International Fight Week, but um, we could fight in Vegas in July. I'd be down with that. Even the end of June is fine with me. There you have it, Roxanne. Question asked, answer given. July, Roxanne Modifari, Lauren Murphy. I love it. Um, but yeah, those she didn't even give a third fight. She's like, those are the only two fights that matter to me for the rest of the year. My teammate fight for the belt and then me fighting Lauren Murphy. Yeah. Uh, she did say every time someone – because someone – she thought she was going to fight you instead of Macy Barber, but then – she fought Macy Barber instead. So it seems like every time she thinks she's going to fight you, it never works out, she says. 
Yeah, we were. I think there was a verbal agreement for us to fight previously because uh, I thought I was going to fight Roxanne previously. And then the UFC got together and they were like, no, we're not going to have you guys fight. We want um, we want you guys to fight Macy and Andrea. And so that's how that worked out. And then we both won those fights. So it, it seems to make sense that um, we would fight each other next. Plus, I think she's ranked number five and I'm ranked number six right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Right. So it makes sense. We're ranked right next to each other. I'm trying to break into the top five. So, um, and you know, it's like, if you look at the other girls in the top five right now, I think Roxanne just makes the most sense because Jessica is coming off a huge weight miss. Um, um, Viviani's coming off a loss. I've already fought, uh, Caitlin Chukagian, but that was at Bantamweight. So we'll, mm-hmm. we probably will have another fight at flyweight. I would imagine, um, and then I think Jennifer Maya is coming off a big weight miss too. And so I think that's the other four women in the top four. So I don't, I don't want to fight somebody that missed weight. And especially by how much those girls have missed it by that just to me, that's not, is so unprofessional and it, it just makes it so likely that it would happen in, in our match that I'm not really interested in, in fighting those girls if they can't make weight. So Roxanne's kind of the only one that makes sense right now. Well, I think how, your, your words echo what, Roxanne was saying too, because I think every fighter she's lost to since coming back to the UFC has missed weight. Yeah. Like every like Sajara, um, Jennifer Maya, and then everyone that she's fought that's made weight, she's won. So she's like, yeah. if she can make weight, I'm down to fight everyone. Um, I was at her fight against Macy, and when Macy was weighing in, Roxanne and her whole team was standing with the media watching. And then if you go back and watch that video, when Macy makes weight, you hear a huge like pop in the background. It was all Roxanne's team. They were yeah. all cheering when Macy Barber made weight. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a huge deal. I think missing weight is cheating, you know? And, um, it's, it's like, if you can't make the weight, then don't agree to the fight. And especially women that have, you know, 10 or 12 weeks to get ready, you have plenty of time to get down to a reasonable weight. Like it might suck and you might have to put in a lot of work and you might have to be hungry a little bit during your camp, but that's the weight that you have signed. We have, you know, you signed a contract to make that weight. It's like our two jobs, you make weight, is the first thing and then show up and fight is the second thing and making weight is like the first step to that so it really drives me crazy when people miss weight it drives me nuts because i know how much i suffer to make weight like i really really have to watch what i eat i I diet really hard uh i have i hired a nutritionist to help me through all my camps so i'm paying money to make weight and then these other girls will just miss by like six pounds or seven pounds and it's a huge advantage for them it's cheating and here I am literally paying a guy to help me make weight, you know? So it just, it, it drives me nuts to know that, um, there's not a bigger penalty for missing weight. Is there a, is there a, an amount of, of, of like weight miss that you would definitely say, I'm not fighting this person like two pounds over three pounds over five pounds over, um, just depends who it is. Yeah. It would just depend on the situation. Um, like when we fought Sajara because she had missed weight. She missed weight for every fight she had, except for with me. You know what I mean? It was like, damn it. <laughs> but it just it just would really depend. Like with somebody like Sajara, it was like, okay, if she misses weight by one pound, then fuck her. Like I don't, she doesn't deserve to fight. You know what I mean? That was kind of how we were viewing it. And then she made weight, so it was fine. We were able to proceed with the fight. But it just depends. Like if they're a chronic weight misser, uh, depends on, you know, their last performance, depends on where they're ranked, uh, like what the what the out, like the consequences of the fight might be. So if it's Mm -hmm. a high level fight where like maybe a contendership uh, position is on the line, then it's a really big deal, you know? 
Well, it's also like in Las Vegas, there's like a five pound weight limit miss, right, Casey? That's what happened uh, with the, uh, the, 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 yeah when Grasso missed fifteen. And Claudia Gadelia, yeah. Grasso missed weight, and Claudia accepted it, but then Las Vegas axed it because she had missed weight by too much. Yeah, yeah. Some of the commissions will do that, and then sometimes too they'll just make it into a catch weight so that the other fighter doesn't have to make weight. But it doesn't really matter because if you have somebody that can you guys hear that? That's a lawnmower in the front. Is that? No, like, we can't even hear it at all. <laughs> okay. Um, if somebody gets to carry around a lot of weight, their entire camp, it makes a big difference. You know, you're all fueled up for all your cardio sessions. You're all fueled up for all your sparring sessions. You get to, uh, exercise having that much more power. Like it really, when you're carrying five, six, seven extra pounds through your whole camp that your opponent doesn't have the luxury of carrying, it makes a big, big difference in the fight too. Uh, Lauren, since you mentioned, so I, I have to ask you because we're not the people to answer this question. Uh, when Jessica I missed weight for a recent fight, I think by a significant amount, like five pounds or something. Six. Huh? Six. Six. Okay. Pounds. Six yeah. pounds. Um, she said it was because of her lady issues. Um, is that an excuse or is that? No. If you uh, prepare for a weight cut, that means that you're going to be well hydrated, right? So when you prepare for a weight cut, it's a lot of water loading and it's a lot of dieting. And then the last week leading up to the weight cut, there's a lot of little tricks that fighters do. Like maybe they'll take carbs out of their diet or fiber. Um, obviously we dehydrate ourselves, but if you have the water in you, it will come out. Like if you work, you will sweat and that weight will come out. Your period doesn't magically make you stop sweating. It's not like that. And especially not, you don't have six pounds of period in you. Like that's <laughs> ridiculous. But I think that that is a excuse that women often use when they miss weight. And I get that like you might be a little more bloated, uh, like when you're PMSing or something, but, um, uh, to me, I've made weight before while menstruating, and it, it's like if you work, you will sweat, and if you sweat, then you will lose weight. Period. Period. Get it? Period. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, well said, because like you said, we've heard we've heard that we've heard that brought up a lot. Mm -hmm. uh when when fighters miss weight so uh and when they kind of and they yeah. kind of say i just kind of go okay like what am i gonna i don't like, yeah right. that's what i'm saying i'm glad <laughs> can you, you imagine if you tried to comment on that casey like if you tweeted something about it you, you'd be done <laughs> you'd exactly, be done like all the men and it you know mma is mostly men all the men are like right. they just can't they can't say anything about it you know so Women have kind of, they use it, I think they use it as an excuse to not make weight sometimes when really the problem probably started for them weeks before, you know, if you have to fight at 125 and you weigh 150, three weeks out from your fight, you're not going to make weight, period, you know, so period. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Comedy gold, show. comedy gold. <laughs> What is our next question? How did we get there from that question? How did we get there? I mean, <laughs> Let's go back to Wait, what was the original question? <laughs> oh, it's a new one. Oh, no, oh, no it was uh, oh. Roxanne uh, asking when she was going to fight Lauren. That's how we got there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from Sports Week MMA, Lauren has said that she came across MMA by chance when t taking her son to a jiu-jitsu class. What does she think she'd be doing now if it weren't for that? Also, has she ever spoken to Eddie Alvarez since Tough? Uh, well, if I hadn't found MMA... You know, I don't know. Uh, 
in a lot of ways, MMA changed my life so, so much because when I, when I started this sport, I was, uh, I was in school, uh, to do a job that I really didn't want to do. Um, I was married to a different guy that I didn't really like. And I just had this, I was kind of surrounded by people and living this life that I didn't, not to say I didn't enjoy it, but it just wasn't for me. And when I started jujitsu and I found MMA, um, I, I started eating better. Uh, I, I used to smoke a pack of cigarettes a day. And I, so I quit smoking obviously because I wanted to be good at the sport. Um, I started surrounding myself with really motivated athletes that were chasing a dream. And I'd never really like been around people like that before. You know, I'd never really played a sport before been an athlete. So um, it really did change my life like completely. And it, if you guys were to see who I was 10 years ago, it's like almost unrecognizable from the person that I am today. Really. I have a completely, completely different life than, than I had when I first walked into that gym that day. And, um, yeah, who knows what I would be doing, but I don't think it would be good. <laughs> you know, I don't think it would be, I don't think it would be nearly as fulfilling um, I don't think it would be nearly as exciting. I wouldn't be as proud of what I've done. You know, there's just, I can't imagine what it would be like if I hadn't become an athlete. And as far as Eddie, <laughs> do we need to, uh, do we need to, uh, well, uh, let's explain to anyone who isn't aware of the history routine, Eddie and Lauren, just very quickly. Uh, uh he was your coach on the ultimate fighter, ultimate fire 26. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you guys on things, uh, philosophically let's put it nicely people can the show's on fight pass if we want to go see the drama that that was uh developed in that show and uh as you i think you were leaving his team you wanted to go to the other team uh is that right because of uh, again uh, disagreements you guys had had uh in one darkly hilarious moment for us uh he could he confused you with fellow castmate barb honchak and called you barb the discussion involved barb so there was some kind of like rationality but it was very rude of him and he called you barb and it was a very fiery uh, sort of departure from his team. So uh, obviously everyone wants to know, of course, what happened after. And, and as this question says, uh, have you guys spoken since? What's what's going oh, on? Oh, hell no. If I ever saw Eddie, maybe I would speak to him just to tell him, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> maybe. No, Eddie, was, you know, Eddie, Eddie was, um, Eddie was just a really bad coach. Like, and I think maybe part of what I did really wrong was I had my expectations set so high. I thought he was going to be this amazing coach and amazing person. And Eddie's really just an athlete. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not a coach and he's not a good coach for sure. Um, but there was a lot of things that happened on the ultimate fighter that, that don't get aired. There's a lot of things that don't get aired that, um, happened that I thought were really upsetting that I thought were really disrespectful. Um, he was really, really unkind to a lot of the women on that show. Um, not just me, but a lot of the women, I just happened to be the only one that would speak up or say anything about it. And so that is the part that made it on air. But, um, yeah, there's just, I, I saw that question on Twitter and I did start thinking about tough. I haven't, I haven't really thought about the ultimate fighter in a long time, but, um, I started thinking about it after I saw that question and I don't know, I just, I would do tough again. I really enjoyed the experience there. I loved meeting all the women. I still keep in touch with a lot of women from that show to this day, but Eddie was, uh, he was just a really bad coach and he was kind of a bad person. He, um, he did some really, really hurtful things that just never made it on air. So unfortunately 
you know, I, I could talk about it now, but when the show was airing, people just didn't get to see that. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so, um, do you, I mean, do you feel like it was, it was just a misunderstanding or, uh, like, I, again, I don't know how much, um, you know, certain, certain coaches and certain fighters, uh, you know, train with, train with women. I think some, have more experience than others. I don't know, so I can't speak for Eddie. I don't know if he works with a lot of women or not. Did you feel that there was a, a misunderstanding on that level, maybe? Uh, again, I, I wasn't in the house, so I, I can't tell. No, it was more like, more like he treated us like we were all a bunch of jokes. Hmm. Like, like we were just stupid little girls with our stupid little game for our stupid little competition. And he was really degrading towards us. So, like, some of the things that he would do... Um, if it, he talked a lot of shit about the women, even the ones on his own team, to the other women on his own team. So if, if uh, like, like when one woman would lose a fight, as soon as they walked out of the locker room, he would talk to the rest of the team about how they were quitters, they didn't belong, they weren't good enough to be there, they shouldn't be there. Um, you know, I lost a fight to Cesar Montano, and then the next day he was like, you know, She's not cut out for this sport. And he was telling my teammates that about me. Um, and that's not just me. He did that to all the women. Um, one of the other things like that came to mind was um, like there was an episode where Ariel Beck had a panic attack, you know, and I know she's kind of susceptible to panic attacks. And and Eddie actually went in there and comforted her and was like talking to her. But the, the thing was, was that he had a list of all the women in the house and he circled with a with with a red marker. He put a big red circle around the girls that he thought could win the show. And he put a big red X through the faces of the women that he thought didn't have a chance. And Ariel was one of those women. He put a big red X through her face. And then he left that list sitting out for all of us to see. Do you know what I mean? And so she mm -hmm. knew the whole season what he thought of her. Ooh. Of course, she didn't want to go to practice with a guy like that that thought that of her that thought she had no chance and that she wasn't a good fighter obviously um he uh i i didn't there was just all kinds of stuff that he did he came to the house one night okay we all live in a mansion 16 women living in a mansion and he came to the house one night with a friend of his that wasn't even a coach on the show just a random guy that none of us had met he got drunk with his friend in our house watched fights that we weren't allowed to watch and then left and never interacted with any of us it was super disrespectful and just like really bizarre. And so it, none of that kind of stuff makes it on air. But those were the kinds of things that were really upsetting to me. I just felt so disrespected and so like that competition was for the UFC belt. That's literally my dream. And it's mm -hmm. Eddie's dream too, which makes it even worse because you would think a guy like that that aspires to be the champion and had been the champion would understand how badly we wanted to win that competition. And that that competition really just meant a lot to me. I felt like I was under a lot of pressure. I was one of the few that had already, I think just Roxanne and I had already been in the UFC. So there was all this pressure to perform and do really well. And um, I think Eddie knew that. And I think he knows what that feeling is like. And he's talked about it a lot. And instead of helping people that were in his same position, instead he chose to humiliate them. Mm. And, and to me that just seemed so wrong so when I left the team uh, there was a scene of me like handing him a card and in the card I, I thanked him for everything that he had done and told him you know thank you for taking the time to coach us I understand that it's not easy to do it to you unfortunately like I just think you know going to engage you is the best thing for me and I wish you I wish you well 
So I would do all that again, you know, uh, I, I would act in exactly the same way. I feel bad for the women that didn't get to experience what a great coach Justin was and, mm. and a great coach Trevor Whitman was because they were awesome. They were so good. And I'm really, really grateful that I got to spend some time with them. Well, uh, people always want to know what, uh, more about the Ultimate Fighter and especially about that uh, particular story. So, guys, that was uh, – you've got a lot of story there. Yeah. The only, thing I'll, the only thing I'll add to that is uh, Dana White said on uh, Ask Me Anything on Reddit over the weekend that – oh, we never – he said he said we never cut any of the good stuff. Uh, everything you see on the show is everything that, you know, that you guys want to see. So that's one side of the story. Now we got the side of the story of Lauren Murphy, someone who's been on the show. So I'll just say fans. Uh, make of that what you will. You know, you guys can, can make your own. Call. Wait, wait. Dana said that they don't they don't cut out the good stuff. What are he you didn't talking? Say about? They don't cut out anything. He just what are you said, talking about? I, I think it was just, just it's, everything. It's, you, that's all. That's just what he said. It's a it's a forty minute show with, without commercials, and they shoot six thousand hours. Yeah, so, all that other stuff is garbage, Casey. Oh, it's, it's all garbage. You don't need to see. You don't need to know. All right. Okay. Yeah. Dana White says you don't need to see that stuff. And another thing that I didn't really realize about the Ultimate Fighter, and this was also my mistake. Um, you know that it's meant to build up characters for people to get invested in when they go into the UFC. You know what I mean? So you watch the show, you meet all these new faces that are in MMA that maybe fans haven't seen before. They get to know their personalities. And then when those fighters go into the UFC, they will have a, a following behind them. They have their, their stories out there already. And so it makes sense that when people win the ultimate fighter, they're portrayed in a very good light. And people that don't win on the show are pretty expendable. And so me being a little bit older, having already been in the UFC and not having had a great run at 135 and then losing in the first round of the ultimate fighter, I put myself in a position where I was very, very expendable to the production crew. So I, I hope that makes sense. And that, that part is my fault. Like I did not perform well on the ultimate fighter. And if I had performed better, I think I would have had, um, I think they would have portrayed me in a better light, you know, but uh, it's my fault for not performing when I needed to. Well, now number six in the rankings. So <laughs> yeah, it's really picked up since we went to flyweight. So <laughs> so, so Lauren, you, well, go sorry, ahead. with all that with all that said, Lauren, you but you said you would do it again, though. I would. I, w I would like to go back and do it better. For one thing, um, I'm actually kind of excited about the opportunity to maybe fight at the apex or something with no um, audience because it will be a lot like the ultimate fighter. And to me, it's going to be like a chance to do it again and do it better this time. Like I want to show the world that I've learned from my mistakes and that, um, you know, I, I, I've <clears throat> not only learned from my mistakes, but that I've improved so much that I can go into a situation like that and perform really well. So I, I do hope I get another chance, but like I said, the ultimate fighter, I didn't get along with Eddie, but I did get along with all the other women. I still keep in touch with a lot of them to this day. So I made some really great friends and I did have some really cool experiences on there, you know, living in a mansion like that. Um, and just being on a show like that is a really unique and wild experience. And I, I like that kind of stuff. So I would definitely do it again. And I'd like to go back and do it better. Well, according, well, if Casey, you took that photo at the apex, right? Casey of the, of the, the ultimate fighter timeline. And it yeah. said like, it says it's done. Yeah. to 2018. Like it had an end date. So Dana White says it's coming back, but why put an end date on the Ultimate Fighter if it if it is coming back? Yeah, it's but like it'll be back. The question. Come back, yeah. It's like a tombstone. They have his birthday and when it died, and it's right there on the wall. So I'm like, all right. It's the first <laughs> thing you see when you walk in the yeah. Apex. It's very strange. And next, then <laughs> next to all the jerseys. Uh, but Casey, any other questions? That was a very 
long but interesting answer. <laughs> Wouldn't be the A side if we didn't get on long tangents. From another question from Cam Kelly. Besides hard work, what personality trait do you believe helped you become successful in MMA? Cheers. This is a question, of course, directed at Lauren. No one cares about our hard work and success. <laughs> Uh, stubbornness for sure. <laughs> it's gotta be just stubbornness. And, and, uh, for me, like I, I hate being bad at stuff. And of course, anybody that starts a sport is going to be bad at it. And so I just wanted to improve so much that I kept coming back day after day. It's still what keeps me going back day after day because every training session you make mistakes and that really motivates me to go back and fix those mistakes. Just like we were just talking about with the ultimate fighter. I want to go back and do it better. Um, because I made mistakes the first time on the show. And so I, I kind of feel that way about every training session where it's like, I have a sparring session and I'll know what I did wrong, or, um, I'll know like why I might be having a hard time in a certain area. And so to me, it's really important to get better in those areas. And, and I love seeing improvement. So, but yeah, stubbornness, I think is probably one of the most important traits a fighter can have. <laughs> stubbornness above talent. There you have it. <laughs> I gave up on things really easily, so that, that's probably why my <laughs> MMA career never took off. <laughs> From Joseph Boza in the YouTube comments, would you take a short-notice fight in the in this current climate in the UFC at, if the UFC asked her to fight with no camp? So would you take a fight with no camp uh, in this current you – talk, you talked about a little bit at the beginning. Uh, your situation is a little different from some of the fights we've had on where you're still able to train. Uh, like we had Corey Sanhagen on. He basically said his his girlfriend was holding mitts for him, and she's never held mitts in his in her <laughs> life. So it's been a little rough. You still – he's like, I'm cutting weight just in case Jose Aldo can't make it to the States, and my only training partner is my girlfriend who has never trained a day in her life. Your situation is a little different. So given that, would you take a fight in the UFC uh, on short notice given this current climate? I don't know if I could make weight, I would seriously consider it. But like I said, I work really hard to make weight. So short notice fights sometimes aren't even possible for me because I just simply cannot make weight in a short amount of time, you know? Um, but, um, if I could make weight, like if I was like super in shape and just staying super close to weight and they offered me a short notice fight, I might, it's, it's hard to say. I, I took a short notice fight once at bantamweight against Caitlin Chukagian. And, uh, I ended up losing that fight and then I didn't get another contract. It was the last fight on my contract. So it kind of put a sour taste in my mouth about taking short notice fights, you know, sure. like why do it if there's no, if there's not going to be a benefit. But the other thing to think about is like where we're ranked. What is the, you know, am I going to be fighting Roxanne on short notice where the consequences of the fight could mean a bump up in the rankings? Or am I going to be fighting somebody whose opponent just fell out and maybe they're ranked a little bit lower. It just kind of depends on what the story of the fight is going to be. But the the biggest um, factor in that is whether or not I can make weight. So if you were like comfortably on, uh, you know, if you felt you were sort of on pace comfortably to make weight uh, and to, you were going to fight someone who was higher than you in the rankings, what would like what's the lowest notice you would take? Like a week, two weeks? Like what's considered like just extreme? Well, when I fought Barb Honchak, I was on I was on weight, but um, at the finale, I actually did not have a fight. They right, yeah, they pulled me like I had a fight, and then I was supposed to fight Priscilla Cachoeira, and um, she ended up not being able to get a visa, and so I begged Mick, please let me go to the finale. I'll make weight, and I I said I just know one of those girls is going to miss. Just trust me on this, and so they they did pull me in that fight week 
just to make weight. And then after weigh-ins, they said, okay, you're going to fight Barb Honchak. And that's probably the shortest notice I've ever wow. had which opponent I was going to fight, you know, it was after weigh-ins, then I found out who I was going to fight. But, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm in a good spot with the UFC right now. I'm coming off two wins. I like the contracts that I'm on quite a bit. So, um, I, I would, I would really consider a fight on a week's notice or two weeks notice or three weeks notice, as long as I could make weight. And in case anyone forgot, uh, Lauren, you did beat uh, your namesake by split decision, I believe. You did go on to win. So it was <laughs> worth it. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah, that yes. was uh, one of the best performances I think I've ever had. It was a really, really great experience. Her namesake. <laughs> Thank you for the question, Joseph Boza. What is this? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to explain it after you. I'm going to know. Know. Okay. Readers Another cat's question. For those of you who just listening, uh, okay, this is a lot of cats from Susanna Fight's okay. longtime uh, commenter. If Ronda Rousey is not the goat, why is every possible breakthrough female prostate always refer- referred to as the next Rousey? Hashtag spilling the tea. Hashtag the A side. So. Uh, First question, is Ronda Rousey the greatest female fighter of all time in your mind, Lauren? She's one of them. It's, it's you know, right. I really like the interview that George St. Pierre did recently where he said the idea of the goat is like not, it's not real. You know, there's always a bigger fish out there somewhere. Um, even the people that are the best in the world right now are getting their asses kicked in their sparring rounds in the gym by somebody, you know, and it, there's a lot of people out there that don't even fight that are amazing fighters. So it's really hard to say who the greatest of all time really is, but Rhonda did something that nobody else could do. You know what I mean? And that's pretty important. I, I hate to see people bash Rhonda online now because she was such an amazing force in women's MMA. She changed the game for all of us. I mean, she was like shattering records, shattering glass ceilings. She was doing things and going places that nobody envisioned uh, a woman in MMA could do. And so I think that's why prospects are often referred to as like the next Ronda Rousey, because they're seen as these great forces that could be, um, you know, shattering the next glass ceiling, whatever that is. But Ronda was the first to do it. And so um, I, I love Amanda Nunes. She's definitely the best in the world right now. She has been for a long time. I think she will be for a very long time. But Rhonda paved the way for all of us. If Rhonda hadn't come along, there wouldn't even be a women's division in the UFC for any of us to fight in, you know, and she blew through the top 10. I mean, people forget so quickly. We were having discussions about how many men she could beat in the, in the men's divisions. You know, we were talking about whether or not she could, she could beat like Cain Velasquez, I think, or something like that. Like she was really a force to be reckoned with in MMA and, it was not just her skill set. It was also her personality and the way she carried herself. And I think it's really admirable. I'm a huge Ronda fan, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, Lauren, you started competing at 135. Uh, and you had a pretty fast, fast start to your career. I think 7-0. and 0, I think, uh, And you were doing really well in uh, Invicta. Uh, did you ever find yourself in a deal with expectations? Like, not necessarily being called. I don't know if you ever called the next Ronda. But again, being that you were in her division, did you ever hear anything like, oh, you know, Lauren... Like, how high were the expectations for you as you kept winning and winning and winning um, before you came to the UFC? Um, actually, it was kind of the opposite, I felt. <laughs> I felt like people oh. were always, like, she sucks. <laughs> you know, but I I really was really off. I, I wasn't 
doing judo from the time I was a young kid. I haven't been boxing since I was 15. I wasn't even an athlete. And um, when I competed in Invicta, I had only been training like three years. Mm. When I won the Invicta belt, I had literally been an athlete for three years, you know? And I was competing against these other women that had been training for many, many years longer than me. And um, so a lot of times I would get this like, like, I would get like comments from coaches and comments online and comments from teammates. And they'd be like, Oh my God, like you're so raw, but I was just really tough. I was super stubborn. I was really scrappy. And, um, that, that was kind of why I think I, I was able to be so successful for a while. And then when I got to the UFC, um, it all kind of caught up with me, but, but Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I kind of had the opposite where I think people's expectations of me were actually quite low <laughs> and it, it kind of showed because I was so raw in the sport and I had trained for such a short amount of time. Casey, you and I have had this. Go, go ahead, Casey. I was like, Oh, um, what were the, um, what was the difference as a fighter when you fought Invicta at the time, when you fought in Invicta, like what were the jitters different? Was it same? I know that I know obviously the money's better now, but just as a fighter in the competition level, what what was what was different with Invicta? I think in Invicta, I was just having fun. It was like, oh, this is just for fun. Like I don't. It, to me, it wasn't like a career. And and oddly enough, when I started my career, I, I thought, okay, I'm just going to do one fight just to see what it's like, so I could tell my kids about it. My grandkids are going to have a cool grandma, you know, that did an MMA fight once. And then um, <clears throat> I did another and I did another and then I won a belt in Alaska and I was like, well, maybe I'll just keep fighting till I lose. You know, like it, <laughs> it was really just like a game. I was like, this is just a fun little thing I'm doing. And all the way through Invicta, that's how I felt about it. Um, I was like, oh, I'll just fight till I lose. So I, I guess part of it was that I didn't take myself so seriously. I didn't really feel a lot of pressure. I was really, really just having fun and enjoying the sport and um, enjoying finding out how far I could go. And once I got to the UFC, I did feel a lot of pressure and I started thinking like, maybe I'm not good enough to be here. Like maybe this isn't, um, maybe I'm way out of my league. Maybe I'm in over my head. And that was reinforced kind of by people around me. And so my, my confidence started really, really, um, going downhill. And then my performances started going down. I I just think it's so interesting how like, um, once you became a a full on professional athlete, it, 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 I don't know. You kind of said it, the sport didn't, it wasn't as fun. Is it, is it, it make, like, I, I always like when, when I'm talking to fighters, I always think that's the biggest, like maybe the fans don't care about it, but I always find it so interesting that transition from being a hobby, being a lifestyle to like, okay, this is my job. Is that a, was that a weird move? It was kind of weird. And, um, when I, after I won the Invicta belt, I, I moved to Arizona and I went to the lab <clears throat> and the lab is a super tough gym. It's full of superstars. And so when I got there, I was just getting my ass kicked every day, day in and day out. Um, and I thought, man, maybe I just need to work harder, but I've always been a real hard worker. I don't think that was the problem. I think that I was so concerned about, um, people thinking that I was a good fighter, that I was, I started really overtraining myself. I mean, 
when I look back at the workouts I was doing at that time, I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, I was just so overtrained and so underconfident. And, and that's such a bad mix for any athlete, any athlete in any sport, you can't be overtrained and underconfident. It has to be the other, you know, you have to be really confident and you have to really pay attention to your rest and recovery and make sure that you're firing on all cylinders for your practices. The better practices you have, the better you're going to perform. And I was kind of doing the opposite. I was working so hard and doing so much that my practices um, were really bad and I wasn't having good sparring sessions. I, I felt like I wasn't doing very well at all. And I think that's like I mean, I could show up and I could fight. Like I fought Sarah McMahon and it was a split decision. I fought Liz Carmouche. It was just razor close. Like even with uh, Caitlin Chukagian, it was a super close fight, you know, but they were all still losses. And, um, the coach that I had at the time was like, you're not ready for the UFC. Like, you know, you got into the UFC too soon. You don't have any skills. You're not skillful enough to be there. And, and I believed him like, that's my coach. Of course I believed him, you know, um, and now I know looking back that that's not true. It's like, if you walk into the UFC and you fight a title contender like Sarah McMahon to a split decision, that means you belong there. That means you do belong. Like you are good enough to be there. If you go and fight somebody like Liz Carmouche, who is a title challenger in strike force and the UFC, and you have a razor thin decision that, you know, could have gone either way, then you are good enough to be there. But these are just lessons that I had to learn through my career that I think every athlete learns. I just had to learn it <clears throat> on a really big stage. <laughs> so, does so, that make sense? Does, am I answering your question? Yes. Okay. Do you, uh, we, we had a similar conversation with Israel Adesanya and he says one of the things that separates him from other fighters is he made all of his mistakes before he got to the UFC. Do you yeah. envy that? He's like, uh, he, like even in and out of the octagon, he, went through all the gong pains before he became who he yeah. is now. Justin Gaethje and I actually talked about this on the ultimate fighter. Um, and he was like, man, if I could give any fighter one piece of advice, it's to lose early, you know, lose early in your career so you can learn how to deal with it, how to fall down, pick yourself back up. And, uh, I just never had that. Not only had I never played a sport, but I never lost until I got to the UFC, you know? And it, it was just a really heartbreaking Thing for me. It was hard for me to wrap my head around. It took me a long time to separate like that losing, uh, losing a match as an athlete does not mean that I don't belong there. It doesn't mean that I'm not a good person. It doesn't mean that, um, I'm bad at what I do. You know, it took me a long time to learn that losses really are just part of playing a sport. You know, you win and you lose and you just have to do your best, pick yourself up and go on to the next. But that was a hard lesson to learn. And even on the ultimate fighter, I was still learning it. You know, it was very hard for me. And, um, the ultimate fighter is actually kind of what I think broke me of that a little bit, you know, and that's why I was able to have such a good performance against Barb and then, um, great performances really ever since. Like I've had, I, I think I didn't perform well when I fought Sajara, but that's kind of a different story. But yeah, I, after that, I really started having fun because it was like, man, what are you doing this for if you're not do if you're not having fun? Like, why would you go through all of this and literally get into fist fights daily with your teammates and then with your opponents if you're not enjoying what you're doing? Yeah, Lauren, what you're saying about sort of a loss, having to realize that a loss, you know, was not the, was not the end of the world and is not like an indictment of your skills and your talents, kind of loops back to the the where you know with this with the question that started this discussion about Ronda Rousey, you know, um, after she lost, of course, after well, one loss, she's a fraud. She was never good. 
Her opponents were never good. Uh, again, look, I'm on Twitter a lot, and uh, twi- no, everyone on Twitter is an expert. And I know that when a, when a fighter loses, when a fighter loses, they were never good. Uh, also, they're definitely being scared of their next opponent. If they like chop out of their next fight, they were definitely scared. We know yeah. that. You know, you guys, you guys are a bunch of scaredy cats. You guys are, don't want to fight anybody. Um, so yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because that again, that does go back to what we the sort of the whole Ronda thing and how easily kind of like one loss, like. I'm amazed that you guys can get over it. Not just because, like you said, it's a, it's a personal thing, but once you're a public figure and you got to take all this crap from all these people and, and all this negativity and just kind of have to block that out and, I don't know, and rebound and, and uh, get back to work, I guess. But my yeah, husband, it's funny that you mentioned that. No, my husband tells me a lot. He says it's a different kind of bravery, you know, um, to put yourself out there and to be willing to to not only lose the fight, but then face the humiliation that can come afterwards. You know, he said it's just a different kind of bravery that athletes have where they're willing to put themselves out there. But I think, you know, even like having like, uh, like a cool podcast or, or show or something like you guys put yourselves out there too. And then of course, everybody on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook has an opinion about everything you guys do. And then, and now they can tell you that opinion anonymously. And, uh, it, it really is kind of interesting, but yeah, my husband tells me a lot that it's a different kind of bravery. And so I, I try to remember that. Well, didn't you hear, Lauren? It's our fault that the original UFC 249 got canceled. I did hear that. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry about that. Sorry. Your fault. (laughs) My my bad. My bad. (laughs) Right. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. I mean, (laughs) I mean, it's pretty powerful position to be in. You know. (laughs) All right. Any other questions we got, Casey? Yes, we got a couple more. Um. This is actually this is directly for Lauren. From Benjamin Button at Benjamin and then a bunch of numbers. I'm not gonna read off. Why did she leave the lab and how is she liking Texas? There's been a huge improvement since going to 125. Is that because of the weight drop? So two questions from Benjamin Button. Why did I leave the lab? Um last year a lot of fighters left the lab. Um there was actually kind of a mass exodus <laughs> from the fight team at the lab last year. Um for me, it just really wasn't a good fit. And so we've already talked about what it was like to be really overtrained and underconfident. Um, and for me, it was just a really bad mix. And, um, I, I did my entire career through, well, not my entire career. I, I did my year to 2013 when I fought for legacy and my three fights in Invicta. Um, I had done fighting out of Texas and I had a coach out here that I really, really loved. Um, and for a lot of different reasons, I left him and I went to the lab, which I don't regret. I don't regret my time at the lab. It made me a much better athlete. And and it re- I really improved my skill set while I was out there. But it just wasn't a good fit anymore. And, and um, I was really... I've, I wanted to be with a coach that respected me and loved me and believed in me. And for me, I felt that was going to be so important for my career. Um, and I knew that, that my confidence was really, really, really low and that I could not continue to compete like that. And so, um, when all those other fighters left the lab, I left the lab too. And a lot of them ended up staying in Phoenix, but I just happened to have the opportunity and the means to move to Houston. And so we did, and I came back here with my old coaches and, um, I started investing a lot more in my recovery. Um, (laughs) <laughs> like she's tired of this she's going to bed <laughs> no it just uh, it just made sense to me to be out here with a coach <clears throat> uh two coaches actually that 
just really uh, uh, believed in me a lot. I came out here and everybody was like very excited to have me. Like I, I just felt such a difference. And so I, I pay a lot more attention to my recovery. I'm not overtrained anymore. I feel very confident with my skill set, and it just made all the difference. And so I think that's actually why my performances have gotten better, but yes, going to 125 has helped a lot too. Yeah. I believe a lot of people left to go to the, uh, fight ready. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. they followed Eddie to fight ready. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie, a lot of Eddie Shaw, not Eddie Alvarez. Yeah. 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 Eddie, Eddie <laughs> Yeah, and there was a lot of there's a couple of bantamweights that stayed at the lab, like Sean O'Malley, Mario oh. Batista, and Kyler Phillips, and they all trained really, really well together. There's, you know, they they still do have a good team at the lab. So, all right, um, I think we have our last question, but this is probably the most important one. Oh, is it cat related? Okay, <laughs> from Tyla Rashid, who's excited for the fights this weekend? Laura's excited. I cannot wait. It's the best card ever. It's the best card in so, so, so long. I can't wait. And of course, I'm rooting for Justin Gaethje because love me some Justin Gaethje. There yeah. you go. Break, break down the main event for us. Oh, shit. Yeah, come uh, on. <laughs> Tony Ferguson's a madman, but so is Justin. Justin really is like a freak athlete. Uh, when we were on The Ultimate Fighter, Justin can literally there was like a big pole that uh, was a support beam for the, for the gym, you know, and it, they, I mean, they're in all the gyms and then they usually have a pad wrapped around them so that people don't run into this pole. That's so, <laughs> so Justin could run up that pole and do a backflip off of yeah. it. He's, he's a wild man. And I think he's just as athletic as Tony Ferguson. Um, he's got that knockout power. He's an outstanding wrestler. Um, I'm really rooting for Justin on this one. I'm sure Tony's a great guy, but, um, uh, Tony's got real sharp elbows, so I think it is going to be a bloody fight. And Tony's got amazing cardio, so for a five-round fight, uh, I hope Justin can get it done early. Alex, you're excited, right? No, sorry. I was shaking my head uh, when the question was first asked because I think, as we mentioned before, look, we succeeded in shutting down April 18th, and that was a big, big that was a big <laughs> win for the MMA media. And then suddenly Dana White just says, no, I'm going to do UFC 249 anyway, and I'm moving on May 9th. So you can imagine how frustrated we are after putting all that work in to try and shut down yep. all these events and shut down all your fights so you guys don't get paid and don't get to fight. And then he's, I'm not excited for this weekend's fights. I'm very frustrated. And uh, the MMA media will get you, Dana White. We will get you. Watch out. We'll get you. I will bring down this economy as long as <laughs> yes, UFC 249 does not happen. I am tired of having a job. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's <laughs> who needs it's not this? Even, who needs shelter? <laughs> right. It's not even just two forty nine. We get three fight cards in seven days, and then even one two weeks after that. So it's basically four fight cards in three weeks. So all in Jacksonville. So for people who want to watch some good old fashioned fist fighting, you're gonna have a lot of it. Yeah, I hope I do get to fight soon. I wouldn't mind fighting in Florida because I want to go to the beach. So, <laughs> <laughs> or Fight Island. Oh my God! Please send me to Fight Island. Dana or God or whoever's listening, please <laughs> send me to Fight Island. I will fight anybody on the roster. I think they're reserving it for international fighters. Um, so I don't know, Roxanne. Say you're from Ireland or something. <laughs> Do something, girl. Come on, think of something. <laughs> yeah, we said we said you're we said before the show, you're essentially Canadian. You were from Alaska, which I consider yeah. part of Canada. 
So there you go. I, uh, maybe a Florida, like maybe uh, I'll apply for a visa just to get it denied so that I have to go to. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, Casey, any other, was that our last question, Casey? Oh, uh, we got one, okay, one more. Actually, uh, whoops, get rid of that one. Do, 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 do. All right, last one. That is, all right. I don't know what this question means. Are you, from Aaron underscore 1988, are you going to make a petition to release the butthole cut? I don't know what this means. Casey and or Alex, what is the butthole cut? Alex is frozen or can't hear, so Casey, I'll leave it to you. Sorry, guys, my internet caught up again. Sorry, perfect. I love my actually I didn't know Alex was frozen. I just thought he was really contemplating the answer, like the questions. Like, hmm. All right, Alex, we'll start with you since you said you were going to describe it. What does the butthole cut mean? Because I've seen this I'm question cross my eyes. Yeah, times. I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, am, I, am I back now? My internet. You're, you're back. back. Thank Whatever. God. Just in time I, to describe the butthole. Uh, yeah, sorry, Lauren. I missed I missed the last part of your answer to the last, last question. But um, uh, yeah, sorry about uh, cats. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, there is I don't know if this is true. It's a report. I think it's a fairly no, no, credible report true. that there is a version. It's very true. We well, we don't know unless it ever comes out. But that there is a version of the Cats movie where yes, you can see that some for some reason they included buttholes uh, on the characters. Uh, all the characters are, are anthropomorphized cats. Uh, they're they're very uh, terrifying as it is, but apparently they were even more so in the original cut. So uh, yes, that is the that is the uh, butthole. Isn't what was Judy the question? Dench in this movie? She's fabulous, and Idris uh, Elba oh, is oh, in it. Yeah. Has McCavity. Meow. <laughs> if you watch the movie, you know what I mean. And, <laughs> and Alex Kaylee is amazed by my. <laughs> Alex is frozen again. He is absolutely shocked <laughs> by Casey's answer. <laughs> Alex, you can you can speak now. I love that. I want a cat costume with a butthole on it. Okay, uh, MMA fans, go to Amazon Prime. You can rent um cats for like four bucks. It will be the best two hours of your life. Just Put put every put, get all get all the liquor in your home everything put it on your coffee table drink up watch cats and just enjoy oh but the and Google cats movie butthole and you will see the um the trailer for yeah, the new make sure right. you include the word movie don't just Google <laughs> cat butthole yeah <laughs> well if Roxanne does cosplay for our fight like she likes to dress up like a Dragon Ball Z character maybe I'll dress up in a cat butthole costume yeah, there you go. That'll be my Dragon Ball Z needs cats. I love everything about it. Casey, was that our last question? Uh, now that we got the butthole part out of the way, well, we got about four more. But Guys, I'm just so sorry. My internet has failed me during the most the most important part. My internet has failed me. Wait, Alex, just came, Alex just came back. Alex froze it once again, so I think that's a good sign that we wrap up, right, Casey? Yeah, yeah, that's a good sign. Well, yeah. Lauren, as the guest of honor, the floor is yours to plug whatever you want before we sign off. You plugged your your coffee connection at the beginning. You can bookend this episode of the, the A-Side with another plug. Awesome. Well, yeah, so for sure, go check out Blackout Coffee. And if you guys go to the link that's in my Instagram bio, you'll get money off. Um, and if you're interested in CBD, I always recommend uh, Rod Keys CBD products. And so you'll find them all over my Instagram as well. And then uh, I really just uh, I want to thank all the like the gyms in Houston around here that have been so good to me. So if you're in the Houston area, you can find me at Grace at Gracie Baja Katie or uh, Henzo Gracie Houston. 
or Main Street Boxing and Muay Thai. I'm always at one of those three places. So if you're in the Houston area, come say hi. Uh, otherwise, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. I'm pretty uh, fan friendly. It's Lauren Murphy MMA all over social media. So come say hi. Give me a follow. Come chat. Well, there you have it. Casey, anything you want to say? Or Alex, and I'm sure Alex is going to freeze again. Casey, anything you want to say before we sign off? I am so sorry. Hold on. I am so sorry, my internet. The most important part of the show, my internet failed me. People, someone's, someone does not want to hear my thoughts on cats. Okay, so you're right. I won't start talking about it more because it'll probably, someone is messing with my internet. Make, they don't want to hear this. Uh, so, sorry. Casey, go ahead. Jennifer Hudson's performance in Cats. Oh, God. Spectacular. Spectacular performance. What a way to end it. This will be on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Uh, We'll be back on Wednesday, and then UFC 249 Fight Week is underway. Actually, it's underway right now. But we'll see you on Wednesday. We're out. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Lauren. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.